0: Hi there, I'm David Butler. I'm
1: Emily Freeman.
0: Welcome to Don't Miss This. Board looks a little bit different and it looks scribbled out, but we're gonna explain <laughs> what all of that is in, in just a second. This is one of the greatest sections in the Doctrine and Covenants. It's kind of one of the ones that um it makes our faith unique, but probably not in the way that you are thinking. You know? Like you're like, oh yeah, I get it, because everyone else believes in heaven and hell. We have three or whatever, but what it teaches about who god is and who jesus is and what their purposes are um, is what is the unique contribution of this section and we adore this section yes we we love love it it.
1: you are going to be so happy about dnc 76 by the time we're done but we're going to start out first of all talking about disneyland because we love disneyland we both really love (laughs) disneyland uh, in fact, let's talk about Main Street. We should start <laughs> just with Main Street. We
0: just figured this out. that both of us, um, we both cry when we walk down Main Street. It, it's true. Like, I really do when I go through that gate. Yeah, I just do too. Like...
1: Every time I walk in, I, it does not matter who we're with or what we're doing there. I come around from under that bridge and I look down that street and just tears. Come right when I walk down.
0: Yeah, and there's the bubbles and the music is yes. playing and the smells and, and you're the just like <laughs> and
1: Yes, everything. It really is magic. And one of my favorite parts actually is if you look at the windows when you're walking down Main Street. You have to do that next time when you go, because on the windows we were
0: arguing about this because I said <laughs> I'm running to get a fast pass. This is what I'm doing. I don't have time to read the windows.
1: But for just a second, you just want to look at the windows. And on each of the windows, there's people's names who have contributed to Disneyland and just the magic of Disneyland. And one of the windows talks about this man and it says who was one of the magic makers. And I thought to myself, oh, I want to be that. Don't you want to be that for the rest of your life? Just one of the magic makers, Um, which then reminded me of this quote by Spencer W. Kimball, which I love that says, make no small plans. They have no magic to stir men's souls
0: and remember it's on the it's that phrase is printed on the in on the band of my pants like this company i love so much Roan. which like, who
1: loves that he's wearing those pants today i know it's awesome <laughs> that we perfect. found
0: that and it's like oh it's their motto and it's like what a good motto what a great like yeah you know.
1: i think that is what makes me tear up every time i walk down main street is just thinking about a man who the pursuit of his entire life Was to create happiness and goodness for as many people as he could. And somehow that wish of his just is continuing on throughout his life. Um, I can remember one time many years ago, we were going through a really, really hard time in our family um, and a lot of sadness. And I have a good friend who's been a good friend for a long time, and we've supported each other through hard things for many, many years. And he said, um, he had reached out and said, hey, we have five tickets to Disneyland. They have to be used in the next three weeks. Then do you wanna take them? Does your family wanna take them? And I was like, yes, that is exactly what we need. I just thought to myself of just scooping up this daughter of mine who was going through this hard time and just giving her one happy day. So I said to him, yes, we will figure it out. We'll figure out what to do. And he said to me, okay, also we have a guide. Um, left that we're not going to be able to use. Do you want to use the guide? And we were only going to be at Disneyland for one day. The pass is for just one day pass. And immediately I was like, uh, no, I do not want a guide. Can you imagine this man just walking you through and <laughs> is like, and here's where you take the train and here's the entrance into fantasy land and uh, whatever. I was like, no, we, we when we go to Disneyland, we like run everywhere. The guide will slow us down. <laughs> and he said to me, no, I promise you want the guide. And, and the, he said it like two or three times. that I finally was like, oh, okay, fine. Because he was giving us the tickets for free, so fine. We will take the guide, is what I told him. I did kind of have regret about the guide, though, the night before. I was, But we were just going to do our best, make the best of it. So the next morning we walked so just down. Just ditching. That's yeah. what I would have <laughs> We had to. Like
0: In Frontierland.
1: We walked down Main Street, and we went to this place where we were supposed to meet the guide. And... We had this little blue envelope, which I kept because it ended up being such an amazing experience. And as our name on the back, January 9th, 2019. And we took our envelope to the guide and it was this man, Michael, in this checkered vest. And he said, okay, tell me your biggest dreams of Disneyland. What do you wanna eat? Where do you wanna go? What rides are your favorite? And all of a sudden we realized what this guide was, was like this human fast pass. That's who he was. He got us on every ride with no line. Any ride we wanted to. Within an hour and a half, by 9.30 in the morning, we had ridden nine rides between California and Disneyland. We had been on nine rides. Who does that? He knew all the best the places queen. to eat. Yeah, we were <laughs> The queen of the England.
0: Group. That's
1: like her Long experience. Day. We ate at all the best places. He knew where all the hidden Mickeys were. He pointed out different things to us. They're um, told us stories. Did you know this? Right outside of Indiana Jones, there is this huge tree that grows right there. And at the bottom of the tree, there's this little tiny house. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. No, you have not. <laughs> Everyone, there's this little tiny house. It might be a secret. You might have to have a man with a blue vest, or a red checkered vest. But there is this little tiny fairy house that is just right there. Whose is it? I don't know, but it probably has a name. I think he told us a name, I can't remember. Um, Anyways, he just knew everything about Disneyland. And I can remember at the end of that day when we were walking back out of Disneyland, and I said to Greg, I'm never throwing this away. I'm keeping this for the rest of my life to remember that this was the best Magic Kingdom experience we have ever had in our life. And I said to him, Disneyland will never be the same for us again. And then as we walked out, I said, my greatest wish of my lifetime is to one day bring all of our kids back and our grandkids and let them have this experience. I just, I want them to experience that kind of happiness. I want them to experience that kind of magic on that level and Um, And that
0: kind of Disneyland, right? Where you're like, you've done Disneyland before, but not like Like you can do Disneyland. Yes,
1: and um, as we walked out, I said to Greg, "Oh my heck! What if I had refused the guide? Can you imagine? And um, that we had had that amazing experience." Well, I came home after that. Well, you did. So um,
0: the better question is
1: <laughs> what if my what if friend, your friend was
0: not so insistent
1: yes, on you taking the guide? And then I came home and several months later, I was teaching a class and it was going to be on DNC 76 and I got in and I started reading about these kingdoms. And as I was going through, my mind just kept wanting to go back to that kingdom experience to that day when I had experienced just a fullness of everything that that magic kingdom had to offer. And I had experienced it on that one day and I went and got my envelope out of the place where I had been saving it. And I just stuck it right in my DNC 76. Cause I thought I want to remember what it is that I'm hoping for, um, as we go through this experience. And so as we go into DNC 76, we want to actually look at it a little bit different than you maybe have before, and think about it maybe in a way that you have never pictured it before. And we're, and we're gonna start out by thinking of a scripture that's in the New Testament. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who is of another Christian faith. And we were talking about these kingdoms. And I said to her, when you get to that scripture in the New Testament that talks about the kingdoms, like what do you learn from that? What does that like mean to you when you read it? What What would you take from those verses so we're going to read you the verses just in case you've never noticed them before it actually does talk about these kingdoms in the new testament yeah
0: it's 1 corinthians 15 and the context he says all flesh is not the same sometimes there's people bodies and there's um cow bodies and there's fish bodies and bird bodies and he says there's also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial and bodies celestial. And the glory of the celestial one, and the terrestrial another, and the celestial another, kind of like the sun and the moon and the stars are all different from each other in their glory. So he's just making these comparisons and saying, like, just like birds and cows and people are different, sun, moon, and stars are different. Like, glories, they're, they're different, different glories, also.
1: So when I was asking her about that, I was like, "What, what do you think that's talking about?" Because our
0: missionaries use that verse a lot. To, to introduce like that concept of
1: kingdoms, kingdoms
0: of glory, yeah. right?
1: And she said to me, "Oh, I don't, we don't view those as a destination like you do. I view those as a way of living right now that I can attain to a level of glory or relationship with God here um, at different levels of relationship." Which was so interesting to me because. For some reason, every time I had read D&C 76 previously, for me, it was always destination based. It wasn't now based, it was future based. This is a place I will arrive at. And as she talked, all of a sudden, it became something I would become. It would become um, something that I was progressing and increasing in or a relationship that I was experiencing which was a totally different way of looking at it for me.
0: Well, and th- we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks because of that. I just am becoming so enamored with that idea of eternal life. That it's spoken about in like a present tense throughout scripture. Where it's like, wait, eternal life. You could use that to talk about a destination or a final reward or whatever. But but instead, it's not how it's talked about. It's talked about as something that you can experience like right now because you you think of that
1: scripture this is life eternal yeah to know god and his son jesus christ all of a sudden eternal life is relationship it's knowing christ yeah
0: and there are differing levels of relationships like we all know that that's a natural part of of living that i'm going to have a very very different kind of relationship between this person and this person and because our relationships are different, I'm gonna enjoy them on different levels, mm-hmm. right? A stranger and I are not going to enjoy that relationship. And that stranger is not gonna have any impact on me. They're not gonna change me the way that somebody that I'm really invested in and they're invested in me is gonna have a chance to like have an impact on me. And so when you look at this, it's like we re- this really natural way of, of seeing things mm-hmm. Yeah, both a destination and you will see destination language but we hope that you'll open up a little bit to see like no you can actually experience celestialness and terrestrialness and celestialness They're now becoming
1: you right. can experience becoming right now today
0: right right here um and and there's something about it you'll see that we kind of have outlined it like this a little bit and we wrote the word conditions on the paper. We, we probably wish we would have written a synonym for this because what we mean by conditions is um, responsibilities. Like all relationships kind of have responsibilities, right? Where it's like there's there's something required out of a marriage relationship that if you want to have a thriving, yeah. happy, fulfilling marriage relationship, there's responsibilities in it that are different than just yeah. roommates or something, right? So by conditions, we mean uh, uh, that kind of re- responsibility-type conditions, and then the privileges that you would just enjoy by living particular, you know, conditions. And 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 listen, as 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 people read this and study and talk about it, sometimes it's really easy to kind of see this as God as a scorekeeper, God, um, that He's saying like, well, if you check these boxes, then I will give you these prizes. And if you, and or if you, you know, and I'm watching and I'm going to be seeing what it is that you're going to do. And, 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 you know, if you do this, then I'm going to do this type of thing. But um, instead, you want to see this as something that, like, if I live in this particular certain way, then I'm going to become this kind of particular person. It's going to be a natural outgrowth of the way that I live, who it is I'm going to become. If I plant a carrot seed in the ground, a carrot is going to grow from that. So if I plant peace, and if I plant um, um, kindness, and if I plant um, uh, 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 honesty or whatever, what is gonna be the natural outgrowth in my heart? Who am I actually going to become? And that works privilege ways and consequence ways also, right, that it's like, this is not, arbitrary lists but rather god modeling this is the way to live in a way that experiences more of me and this is a way to live in a way that experiences less of me and so it, that's really important to have that kind of mind shift that god's not a scorekeeper but he's trying to, um, to mold build
1: and, relationship and to help us become right, I, if you're right. looking at those two things My mind really expanded on this several years ago when my kids were all teenagers. And we had a good friend we were kind of struggling with, which some of you might be the same, rules and boundaries and what life looked like in a teenage home. And it's tricky, like it's tricky figuring that out. And I was talking to a good friend of mine whose name is Gary Green. He lives just right here in Utah Pleasant Grove. He runs a, a place called the Greenhouse Center for Growth and Learning. And as we were talking back and forth, he was like, you need to come up with some family rules with your family. Let me give you some ideas. And as we talked, he told me about this system of rules that was going to help us as as our kids were growing up and going through this stage of life. And he said, this is what I would suggest is three different levels. And each of the levels is going to have a responsibility and a set of responsibilities. And each will have a set of privileges. And so let me just show you a little bit what this looks like this is what he said on level one the responsibility is you choose to live in our home that's level one and the privilege for that is you will get clothes and food and um somewhere to sleep that's what you'll get and you'll get love you'll you'll get love at our house that's the privilege for that responsibility Now, level two comes with these responsibilities. You have to have a good attitude all day. Your bed is made before school. You have to have your room picked up. You pick up after yourself in the whole house, wherever you create a mess, you have one mom job a day was part of our rules that every day I could just say, this is your mom job for today. You had to practice your hobby for 30 minutes. You had to request permission for every privilege. You had to accept no as an answer. So if I said no, that's it. You don't You don't get to ask about it. That's just what happens. You have respect, which means indoor voices. Uh, you respect other people's belongings. You have to attend school. Um, if you missed a class, you automatically drop down a level for that. And then you had to do one and a half hours of homework or reading before bed. And then there was a bedtime that you had to adhere to. So that was kind of the rules of the house. You just lived in that rules, And you had three strikes every day. So if you didn't make your bed. You saw two more strikes, but you only had three. Now the privileges—if you lived that every single day—you got to watch one hour of TV. You got to play on the computer. You guys, this was ten years ago, so you just have to manage what this would look like now in our technology world. Because my kids did not grow up in technology world, but they could play on the computer for thirty minutes. Everyone, they got to have Morgan a cell trails. phone. If they were, that's what they played, Oregon Trail. (laughs) They could have a cell phone if they were 14. That was our rule back then. They could play with friends within the neighborhood, and they could participate in one sport. So as long as they just did all of those responsibilities, that was the privilege. They just, all those things were a yes automatically. Okay, my favorite is level three. And I'm going to tell you what the privileges are first. Um, And then I will tell you the responsibilities. So level three was you get to participate in all level two privileges. You get all those things still. But rather than just playing inside the neighborhood with friends, you can actually go out of the neighborhood. You could go to a movie. You could, I would drive you to someone's house for a late night or whatever you were doing. You could leave the neighborhood. You could participate in one additional sport because you had shown responsibility in being able to do everything else. Um, My kids loved this one. You can ask to negotiate once. So if I said no on something, you got the privilege to negotiate. Why? You couldn't do that thing. And then this is the best part. Guess what the responsibilities are. I just want you to think what they might be because you're in your mind. You're like, well, what else would you have added? And the interesting thing is there's no more responsibilities than what is on level two. The only difference is you live those responsibilities independently for two days, which means I don't have to say, did you make your bed? Did you do your homework? Did you practice the piano? I don't have to say any of those things. You just independently live your responsibility with no reminder, and if you do, then this is your privilege. And so what happens is my kids learn to move through these things. And there were different ways that you would move down and it took two days of living a responsibility to move back up to that level, whatever it was. And And
0: and PS she really is, we're going to put this on the blog for everybody who's like, Thinking to themselves, I have summer mayhem right now, and I want all those They <laughs> I don't even rules. care about 76. Yes, I
1: seriously I just don't
0: care about the scriptures. Okay. So you can have it. I'm going to take what? you there
1: right now, but I want you to think about this. My kids were not level three kids all the way through high school. My kids fluctuated between level one and level three regularly. They just practiced. They practiced living this. But the goal was by the time they turned 18, that they could independently live the responsibilities, which would make them a really good roommate or companion or spouse, or just be able to like function outside of our home and create their own if they wanted to. And, and that thought of that moving the next time, um, I went into DNC 76, I was like, oh, how interesting. I wonder if it is the same, which is where this line came from, because I wonder if as we're practicing this, if we kind of move through these responsibilities, we're figuring out what the responsibilities look like. And um, also these privileges, we're, we're learning them. We're learning what this looks like. So we are gonna dive into these responsibilities and privileges, but as we go in, we want you to be thinking about this um, learning and and trying to live like that for two days or whatever it looks like that that we're we're moving in between these responsibilities and these privileges because we're learning Jesus we're we're figuring that thing out as we go and that becoming and that relationship takes time.
0: Yeah, and what kind of relationship we even want to have like like it just takes time for some of those fruits to like manifest themselves right That i say oh look if i continually live in this way it actually i enjoy like who i'm becoming i enjoy what what i'm experiencing and um, this section um does it it kind of simplifies it but we wish that there were more than three rows because of this idea that it's just like there'll be infinite amounts of of rows because there's infinite types of relationships and there's infinite amounts of way that we can relate to God, and, and, and actually I should say it like this, there's infinite like levels or degrees in which we would invite him into our life. And one of the things we want you to see right off the bat with this is that we do not worship an all or nothing God. Um, he does not either say, either take everything I have or you get nothing. Mm. Either measure up to this or nothing. But rather, listen, do you want to just have um, just the hidden Mickeys? You can have just the hidden Mickeys. Do you want just the restaurants? that's great. Um, if a person's like, I only want to hand over 5% of my heart to you, he's just like, then you just wait to see what I can do with that 5%, you know, which is so
1: interesting as you think about it, because it's one thing that makes our religion so unique to other religions. In fact, um, you think about this thought of who gets to come in and we're going to talk about that in detail. And, and our view, DNC 76 taught us all, There's going to be room for all, which is interesting because I've had so many conversations with my friends who are from other Christian faiths, and they've been really interesting conversations because they love to say to me, they just, we believe in a heaven and a hell, and your members of your faith won't be in heaven, which means I would be in hell. And the first couple times people told me, I was like, what do I? Like, do I not have goodness? Do you (laughs) not see me trying to be good and love Jesus? Like, I'm so surprised that immediately in your mind, you would think that I would qualify for hell. And I can remember this one day, I sat by this woman for lunch. We were there for an hour and we had the most beautiful conversation. And at the end of the conversation, she said to me, I don't know how it will happen, but there's a place in heaven for you. And I can remember thinking to myself, first of all, what a compliment it was that she was like, if this doesn't work in my theology, I know what I've been taught, but that I see your goodness and and somehow there will be a place in heaven for you. And I can remember walking out of the re- restaurant that day and thinking to myself, that is one thing I love about our church is I could look at her and say, there is a place in heaven for you and for everyone at this table and you will get to decide what you want that relationship to look like and what that becoming will look like for you. And it's so much more of an invitation and it's beautiful that our church, that's the way we enter into that conversation.
0: Yeah. And you know, as you tell that story where you're just like, she's like, I I think you're going to go to hell the first thing I think of is I would look at my life and be like, I don't feel like I'm experiencing hell right now. You know, like I feel like I'm experiencing heaven here, you know? And so it's like, it it wouldn't make any sense that that wouldn't continue. If this is the pattern of my living and it's producing heaven in me and around me, I'm not talking about like the mortality stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking, you know, it's like, then I feel like, Why would that not continue on? Yeah. You know? And so that's what you see in this. Now, if you want to make this really simple, and we'll come back to this at the end too, you'll see the difference between just the three. Again, there's got to be infinite amounts in between all of these. But simply stated, you'll notice that each of these different different degrees, um, they change based off of someone's acceptance of Jesus into their life
1: at the simplest form. Yeah. If you want to look for the theme that is consistent between all three, you're going to notice it has to do with the testimony of Jesus. And
0: and that phrase and what that means is outlined in the verses. Now, this particular section is like seven different visions mm-hmm. that were all written down kind of they they opened and the Joseph and Sydney saw it and Sydney wrote it then it closed, another one opened, they saw it and they wrote it, it closed. And it doesn't um, follow, it doesn't go really, really neatly and nicely. It will kind of jump in some places in between the description of the degree. So um, it, it's, uh, it's kind of, it could confuse you or overwhelm you as, as you look at it. And so
1: you almost feel like you need a little piece of paper to help you walk it through, which is why in your journals we were like, here, we'll give you all the verses in yeah. all their different out of orders, and then you can collect. Um, kind of what you find there, and we've done that a little bit for you, and we're going to walk you through it just so you can kind of see.
0: So this bottom one they called celestial in verse 82, the phrase is, they received not the testimony of Jesus. Now, that could mean a million different things, so the scriptures kind of define what that actually means. It means, and you know what's interesting, I just was thinking this earlier, and it's the first time I've ever thought about this, is like, you think about like, The testimony of Jesus. And usually it makes me think like, oh, do I have a testimony of Jesus? But then I was actually thinking, what would Jesus' testimony be? Like, he's going to speak for and behalf of me. And what if I said, no, I don't want you to speak for and behalf of me. Hmm. I just want to be me as I am. It's like, oh, and and I just never thought about that before. Where it's like, I don't actually want you to advocate for me. Or to testify in my behalf. I would like just to take who I am by myself. Yes. And it's like, that wouldn't fare well. So the description of that is no gospel. I want no covenant, no relationship with you. I don't want to hear from your servants. And I want to live how I want to live. And this is so important. This idea of unrepentant liars, sorcerers, adulterers, murderers, whatever. like Whatever Whatever's on that whole list that's there but like those are just like, no, I don't care whether this is wrong or how hurtful or harmful it is to my relationships with others or with you. I just disregard that at all. Law of the jungle kind of thing. And the privileges that you would enjoy from that are (laughs) um, to be thrust down to hell, to experience hell, right? To experience what are the fruits of living this kind of life, of lying and cheating and stealing. And it's like, who would you be you know, like what, what kind of, what would you,
1: yeah, what life would look yeah, like? Yeah. How would that
0: come yeah. out? And that's why the word hell is so that you'll experience it, suffer the wrath of God. And in these verses, you'll see that the wrath of God is not God striking down, but rather God turning you over to the devil. It's like, if you don't want me to rescue you from him, then you must remain with him. And the scriptures teach us that you'll remain there until the very last resurrection in his presence under his power and influence you know but and let me emphasize that word until mm. it says until in this verse 106 Christ shall subdue all enemies under his feet there eventually comes a day when hell has an exit door um, yeah, and, those, or, and those
1: gates will not prevail against you because of him
0: yeah yeah
1: which and is so beautiful.
0: and i and yeah and it's like why why did somebody Choose to not have any of this with him. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. But one of the things that you'll notice in each of these, well, we'll bring it up in the next one. So if you go up to this next level, terrestrial, the phrase in verse 79 is not valiant in the testimony of Jesus. And that could be, you could define that 100,000 <laughs> different ways, right? Where you could say, like, oh, that means you don't do your home teaching, that means you're mean to people and you're a bully. That means um, that you hate church. That and or so, you didn't study your
1: scriptures <laughs> yeah. enough. Like you could have studied more. It, it's so confusing. We love that Joseph Fielding Smith actually gave two definitions of what that means to be not valiant in your testimony of Jesus Christ.
0: So erase your other definitions. Yes, erase say, them this because is it's what that phrase it. means.
1: DNC seventy six make so much more sense. I'm going to give you two different quotes. He says. Um, A man who has accepted the testimony of Jesus in the flesh may inherit any of the three kingdoms according to their degree of faithfulness. If he keeps the full law, he shall be entitled to enter the celestial kingdom. So you wanna notice that word full, not a portion of the law, but the full law, a fullness of the gospel. If he is willing to abide by only a portion of the law and rejects the covenants which govern in the celestial kingdom, Notwithstanding he is honest, virtuous, and truthful, he shall be assigned to the terrestrial kingdom where other honorable men shall be found. So I think it's important to remember, I love that he points out the terrestrial kingdom is filled with people who are honest and virtuous and truthful and honorable, good people. The only thing they are missing, missing, he tells us in this first quote, is the covenants which govern in the celestial kingdom. So keep in mind that word covenant. Um, He also says this as he's describing those who are not valiant. He says, who are they? And then he says, all who refuse to receive the fullness of the truth or abide by the principles and ordinances of the everlasting gospel. They may have received a testimony. They may be able to testify that they know that Jesus is the Christ but in their lives, they have refused to accept ordinances, which are essential to entrance into the celestial kingdom. So you're going to notice these are people who are honorable, but without covenant. That's the simple definition of a terrestrial person. And and as you read through here in these verses in 71 through 79, you'll be able to pick that out. But Joseph Fielding Smith just makes it so much easier to understand that these are Honorable people but without covenant. And their privilege will be his glory but not the fullness of his glory because they are only taking a portion. Um, It will be to live in the presence of the Son but not the Father because the fullness would be taking everything, right? The everlasting gospel, a fullness of the gospel, the ordinances, the principles, the covenants, those things all of a sudden become important for this kingdom.
0: Yeah. Now, keep in mind when you read this like he uses a phrase okay. that says this that you just read um in their lives they have refused to accept, you know, the fullness of the everlasting gospel. Um they don't this is only section 76 right here, and so we don't have section 137 yet and we don't have section 138 about the spirit world and those who, ex- who didn't know better or something like that. And so when we say in somebody's lifetime, we don't necessarily mean their sojourn on planet Earth. It includes the spirit world. It includes that extra time that is, you know, that is yeah,
1: that's there. So and good so it's, a,
0: it's really, really important that you add those other principles into this, that we're looking like, oh, you know, We got missionaries that say like, well, I knocked on their door and I told them and they refused it. So terrestrial. (laughs) And I just want to say, first of all, if you thought you were God's last chance for somebody, you are so arrogant. But, you know, like, so we don't know what that phrase means, refuse. But it means like, I just look at myself sometimes and I think, how many chances does God give me continually Mm -hmm. again and again and again and again and again? And why would that experience not be the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind when we say like, who's, you know, who's going, you know, don't go there. Okay. So this last one, celestial received the testimony of Jesus. And then if you compare it to this one, don't you love that now where it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, please speak on behalf of me. I would like your name, um, instead of my name, Yes, you know, here Mm -hmm. in verse 51. And what does that mean? Well, it means someone who believes in him and trusts in him is baptized or or in other words, fully immerses themselves in relationship with Jesus as best they can. They keep the commandments. They receive that sanctifying and cleansing and exalting spirit into their life. They repent. They change. They do better. They try again, right? And eventually they're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is language that there's code words almost in there as you read through that that emphasize the fullness of the everlasting gospel. So, when yeah, you're going to see
1: words like ordained um, as you look at baptism and the Holy Ghost. That it's by people who are ordained. It's going to talk about sealed. It's it's language that hints toward covenants, priesthood, and temple. And you you want to be gathering those words as you're reading because it it helps you see that difference between. Here and here is this covenant relationship is what's being created. And
0: again, remember, it's not just arbitrary checklist that God's like, well, if you gathered the covenants, then you get to go to the celestial kingdom, but rather there is something about a covenant relationship, a legal and loving binding relationship mm-hmm. with all of its responsibility and everything that has an impact on the soul, a celestial impact on on the soul it's a it's an inviting of more of jesus and his grace and power and influence into a person's life Mm -hmm. that's what those covenant moments are and that's why a person's enjoying the privilege not because they checked the box but because they invited that additional level and degree of grace into their life and so now they are experiencing and becoming something more
1: I think sometimes we read through 76 and we get so caught up on this checklist that we forget about this first column that becomes so important right there of remembering how important Jesus is, which makes me go back to my Disneyland experience all those years ago. And I just, I can't help when I look back at that experience, thinking to myself, what if we had missed the guide? What if we had refused guide and how different that experience would have been on that day if we hadn't accepted that invitation and how remarkable things were because of that. And when I realized that, I thought to myself, I, I got this out and stuck it right in DNC 76 because I thought to myself, I don't want to miss the guide. And probably my favorite part of DNC 76 is the way that it begins. And sometimes we miss the beginning, and I think it is the most important part because what happens is for several verses, Joseph Smith introduces the guide. It's almost as if he says to us, listen, you gotta take this guide, like don't miss the guide. Um, The same thing as my friend did where he was like, this is gonna be so much better for you if you'll just take the guide and let me introduce you to the guide
0: and and it's actually really powerful that we see a lot of vision throughout scripture lehi's and um, daniel's and ezekiel's and john the revelators and and in this particular vision there is not an angelic guide it actually is jesus walking them through it and the beginning "Hear, oh ye heavens and give ear O earth there is a pause button that is pushed on both sides of the veil that says i have a message That is really important for all of you, whatever stage of life you are in, to hear. And it's this, the Lord is God. And beside him, there is no savior. There isn't anything you could do to save yourself. That will be his work, his mission, and his purposes will be to do that. Then as you start reading these descriptions, great is his wisdom. And today I was just thinking about how complicated some of my relationships are. And how complicated some of the decisions that i'm trying to make in life are and like n- things are not really simple they're really complicated like dealing with everything is, and and it's like his wisdom and his experience and the way he sees things is so great and he understands all the nuances of the decisions we make and 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 the arguments we get into and marvelous are his ways if you were to watch the way he handled people you would marvel um and the extent of his doings none can find out you don't even have any clue what he is doing and has been doing and will be doing to help bring about his purposes it says in verse 3 his purposes and his purposes are you and they're me and they're your kids and they're your neighbors and they're your friends um, his purposes fail not he is not going to fail on what he has set out to do and that is to save the whole human family no one can stay his hand from eternity to eternity his this he is the same and his years never fail he is merciful he is gracious he is on the right hand of the father he is in all of eternity he is in all of the the things that we're doing and that verse that we love so much in 22 where it says this is the testimony last of all that we want to give of him that he lives he is real he is moving among us now like he lives today um eternal life is experienced right now relationship can happen with him right now it's dynamic it's thrilling it's Mm. not it's 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 it adjusts and it changes it's living you know and it's such a, a beautiful testimony that's there of him and as the guide is the one and it makes you want to say as you begin that to think you know I think I would want him in my life I think I do want him in my story I think I do want him to be a part of this it goes from that vision of the father I mean of the Son, right in the beginning and then it moves to this vision of perdition and of Lucifer and that's sad it <laughs> just drops off the buck you know the the cliff so fast but and I would just keep in mind, by the way, there is something to understand in this section, but it's really short. If you compare how much time is spent on perdition mm-hmm. and how much time is spent on glory, that maybe should dictate your family lesson or Sunday school lesson, mm-hmm. like percentage wise. But there is something to understand there because people want to know, and we could put that quote in the blog where Joseph says, let me tell you what this section means. You you know, the one where you'd have to see the sun and then say, he does not exist and want to crucify him afresh like this is not like accidental or you know this is not liars and sorcerers and adults this is like something like super super intense um i mean you have to remember it talks about those who rebelled against god to his face yeah in the like this is not a oh i just got deceived you know i just got tricked or whatever but this is why We like that it brings it up because after it goes through that, it says this in verse 37, these are the only ones on whom the second death will have any power. 38, they're the only ones. All the rest, verse 39, shall be brought forth through the triumph and the glory of the Lamb who was slain, who was in the bosom of the Father before the worlds were ever made. That was the plan before you and I were even thought of. And then he says in verse 40, this is the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings that we want to shout from heaven, that he came into the world, even Jesus, to be crucified for the world, to bear the sins of the world, to sanctify the world, and to cleanse it from all unrighteousness, that through him all might be saved. He saves all. It's the world it's everybody in it and and i you know i've taught seminary institute for a lot of years and anytime we kind of bring up and talk about celestial and terrestrial and celestial, and most people think of it as a destination and and you know that's okay to have that language and sometimes i'll even ask who thinks they're going to make it to the celestial kingdom should we do a poll should we do like a little survey put your heads down thumbs up type, type of thing it's shocking how low the number is of people Who say, I'm not going to make it to the celestial kingdom. And and I think it's because they've got their eyes on the wrong person. Of course you can't make it. Or of course you can't become that on your own. There is no other savior besides him. So if you tried to do it by yourself. But there's this verse I've always loved in 60. It's in verse 69. It says, of talking of celestial people. These are they who are just men made perfect through the mediator of the new covenant who wrought out his perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood these are people who he changed from water into wine these are people who he redeemed by his life blood uh, by his efforts and by his work and that is what is such good news mm. is he has a, his intention is
1: all yeah. of you, I all love, of us. I love that verse so much because when I read it, I love to just think this is when he's like, these are just men made perfect through Jesus. These are these are just your next door neighbor. This is just regular people. It's, sometimes I put my own name in there and say, oh, this is just Emily made perfect through Christ. That's what's happening in here. And I love the thought of that, that he's like, how much Jesus do you want, Yeah, because that's how much made perfect you're about to become, and and the thought of that, of just being like, well, this is just Emily, made perfect, made complete, because Jesus. That's what's happening in 76, and I love the thought of that, because just Emily probably can't make it to the celestial kingdom, but Emily plus Jesus, there's not a whole lot we can't accomplish together and that's grace and i don't know if you can understand doctrine and covenant 76 well if you don't understand the power of grace working in a life
0: y'all this this um this section revolutionized everybody when it came out and and people had a hard time like and they probably started to wonder about who's One where or whatever but I I would have hoped and and it seems like at the beginning God himself hoped that people would just pause from their discussions about that to understand that there's a savior and he intends on on saving all this is one of the reasons that I love Joseph Mm. Um, and it's because he introduced me to a Jesus that's much bigger than I ever imagined who intends on paying more and investing more and more in order to save and change and exalt the human family.
1: Yes, and to a father who stands at the window and watches everybody walk in and all he wants is just happiness for all of the families who come through there. And I think it's so important for us to remember that. Um, I love as you end out this Doctrine and Covenants 76 because it can be a hard chapter for some of us. And, and we do do a lot of self-reflecting and wondering where we are and, and how things are going to work out for and, us and,
0: and for our love, kids, yeah. yeah,
1: people that we love. And I love in 116 when he says about this, they're only to be seen and understood by the power of the Holy Spirit, which God bestows on those who love him and purify themselves before him to whom he grants this privilege of seeing and knowing for themselves that through the power and manifestation of the Spirit, While in the flesh, they may be able to bear his presence in the world of glory. And I just love the thought of that, that he's like, don't don't try and get this all figured out. Don't think you're gonna understand this all here. And there's gonna be some questions that won't be answered until the other side of the veil. And that's okay. You enter into this with the spirit and with the love of that father who stands at the window and watches for your happiness and who is invested in making magic in your life. And it's all going to work together for your good. This is the father who wants to give you his fullness. That's what you have to remember. And and you and him are going to figure that out.
0: And if your ending thought and state of heart is verse 119 at the end. And to God and the lamb glory and honor forever and ever mm. it, it means that you read the section correctly yeah
1: that's so. so good
0: okay see you next week this audio was taken from a youtube video from our youtube channel you can find us on youtube at don't miss this
1: also sign up for our newsletter at don't miss this study.com And you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.